Hey everyone, it's Anu, and I want to welcome you back to the Every Rider Has a Story podcast. So it's been a full week since I've dedicated any time to writing, and if I'm completely honest, sitting down to write still feels really tough. Like going for a run or working out after taking some time off and like desperately hoping that the rhythm will come back. Um... So I feel a little sore after writing all of this episode out, and I have to say, even though it was tough, it still felt way less burdensome. I don't know if that's how you say that word, but it didn't feel as much of a burden, and it also felt so much more enjoyable than it usually does, which is something I'm really trying to lean into. Writing shouldn't be hard, and it generally hasn't been hard for me, but... The past month or so, it's been pretty tough. So I'm happy that it's kind of getting some of the joy back into it. And I'm excited to see where that kind of takes me. Also, to be completely transparent, um, writing and recording solo episodes feels really like self-indulgent because that's exactly what it is. And I'm talking about myself and my feelings and sharing bits of my journey. And that just doesn't feel comfortable to me. Uh, Not yet. Maybe at some point it will. And I'm just really thankful that all of you who are listening are kind enough to tune in. And that really means the world to me. So this season's theme is heroes. And I've shared a bit about some of the people and beings that have impacted my journey. And I've also had like the best time interviewing some amazing guests who have been kind enough to share their stories on this podcast with all of us. But I haven't really talked about something that's important to me. And that's the act of choosing ourselves in a world that can often trick us into thinking that we're not a priority. That our feelings aren't valid, that the journeys we're on aren't big enough or bold enough to garner respect and the attention that they deserve. And, I mean, choosing yourself can be so damn hard sometimes. And I know there are people who are going to fight me on this and say that self-empowerment is easy and that we just need to be strong enough. And to that, I'm just going to say no. Because self-empowerment, self-love, self-kindness, it can all be so hard, especially if you have a caring and compassionate heart. And before we move forward... I just want to pause and say that this episode isn't meant to be taken as advice or a gospel for you to live your life by. Today, I'm just hoping to share with you why accepting myself has been so hard sometimes and why self-sabotage was so much easier as far as making a choice for a really long time. And I want to share how I started to choose myself that it hasn't and still isn't perfect. But if there's one part of my life that I'm really proud of, it's the fact that in recent years, I finally started to see myself in the same lens that I say for my horses, which is one that's of compassion and kindness. So I guess we can start with this basic question, which is how, and it's a question I get a lot, but how did I start to empower my own voice? And the answer would be that I didn't. Uh, For most of my formative years, and by I didn't, I mean I just really could could have cared less about my voice for a very, very long time. And for most of my formative years in the saddle, they were spent with a coach who abused me. 
and that definitely had an impact on how I rode and trained horses because if I could make my horse look good, if we did well at a show, um, impressed a trainer in a clinic, I could count on this coach's praise and I wouldn't have to worry about the verbal beating that would inevitably fall on my shoulders or at least I could delay it for a little bit of time and the physical one that I'd have to see the horses go through. And that threat looming over my head made me do everything that I could to make sure the horses I rode were performing their best and everything I did in my limited amount of power was to empower them to make sure that they were seen in the best light and everything, every bit of my being at that time was geared towards keeping them safe because it's really tough to watch an animal that you love and care so much about get someone else's anger taken out on them. And that was how I functioned from the ages of 12 to 15. So I really chose my horses over myself. Um, And I think sometimes this sport enables us to do that because it's so easy to put aside what we need and put our horses ahead of us. And I definitely still fall victim to that, but I also don't think that's the right way to become a rider or a coach or a trainer that empowers others. This sport is time and life consuming, but that doesn't mean that we need to set aside our needs completely in order to prove a point that we are, you know, breaking our backs just because we're tough enough or we're strong enough. And I really chose horses over myself until I couldn't anymore. And because I was a kid and someone had taken such deep advantage over me, they really didn't know a way to move past it. I returned to riding when I was 17 and horses became the perfect outlet for me to silence my own pain. Um, They really gave me something to focus on and they also tethered me to this earth without feeling like I was on the verge of shattering every day. Turning off a little bit of that pain or numbing it also kind of meant silencing my voice at the time. And for years, I couldn't talk to anyone about what had happened to me as a kid or share with them how badly I'd been hurt or traumatized. And my mom and my dad and my brother were so supportive. I know that I've mentioned that multiple times, but they knew what happened and they gave me so much time to process it and work my way through it without pressuring me. And I think that's the only way I could have really come out of any of that. And at the time, I couldn't choose me or my voice because I didn't really have anything left in my tank to give because I was really scared and I was hurt and I was just so, so very angry. And it wasn't the kind of anger that we think of where it's just like, you know, people lashing out or yelling. My anger was like this quiet, steady sort of hum that was always surrounding me. And it would build until I felt explosive. And that's definitely not a way to go through life or to become someone who can function normally and with compassion towards others. But it's also no way to be around horses. If you can't control your temper, you definitely can't be someone 
who is trusted around horses because it's so easy to lash out at them especially when they do absolutely nothing to deserve it so eventually I did talk to my mom a couple of friends I confided in one of my trainers my future trainers as well and um just the people I held really close to my heart about what had transpired and I'm not gonna like lie and say I was so tough and like nothing ever bothered me and I was a vault. Uh, The truth is I pretty much cried every time and I still cry all the time. I'm a big softie. Um, It doesn't take much. But I cried every time and it wasn't the cute kind of tears but the really ugly ones where your face gets all red and there's like a lot of snot involved and like it feels like you can't breathe. And at the time I felt so much shame about that but Looking back, it is definitely the first fissure in the fortress that I built around my feelings. And it was like a very, very small attempt at vulnerability. It wasn't perfect, but it, I think it definitely was at the time a really small but courageous step in the right direction. And the real shift in starting to find my voice was when we brought a Katie's home. He really unlocked something in me. I think it was because he was always there without judgment and he never asked for an explanation. He never made me feel less than anyone, even on the days where my heart just felt like this open wound. He was always so consistent and it was the first really steady relationship I had outside of my family. And I think that's what a lot of horses give us is just this space where we don't feel judged and it's quiet, which is something I really needed at the time. And I really wish that I could tell you that bringing him home caused this complete 180 in me and that I completely shifted and started choosing myself and my voice. But we all know that's not how it works. I wish it did. I wish it could just be a switch that we switch on and we feel empowered and confident. Uh, But I firmly believe that horses don't save us. And I know I've said it before in a post that this horse has saved me, but the truth of it is that horses can't save us. We have to do that work ourselves. But they do a pretty great job of standing beside us as we do that work, as we dig into what's necessary to become a better human. And that's just it, I guess, that no one else can choose you. At the end of all of it, You have to choose yourself. You have to recognize the beauty of who you are, the importance of your journey, that your journey is important and that you shouldn't ever let anyone else convince you that it's not. And you shouldn't ever let anyone else alter its size or its scope because your journey is about you and everyone, regardless of where this life takes them deserves to know that they're valuable, that they're worthy, that they deserve just as much as anyone else, and that we should not value ourselves based off of the accomplishments that society deems worthy, but of how we choose to persistently show up in a world filled with people who will happily deny us the chance to succeed. I mean, I can't really think of anything more brave than that. So the next time you go to your barn, or you go to see your horse, or you choose something that is taking you in the direction of wherever you want to be, 
I mean, that's an act of courage. There's nothing braver than that. And no one gets to choose that for you. You have to choose it for yourself, which is really tough. And it was really tough for me because I spent so much time investing that in other people. And the years after bringing Katie's home, I really spent a lot of my time looking for my self-worth in others, in helping my friends achieve their dreams, all while setting mine aside. Because I just figured that there would always be time for my stuff later, right? Like horseback riding is a lifelong sport. There's always going to be time for your stuff later. It took me forever, but I finally realized that that wasn't the case. That horseback riding, being around horses is a lifetime pursuit, but I couldn't do it unless I actively chose myself and that my success was just as important as the people that I was putting ahead of myself. And choosing other people ahead of yourself is seriously such a small and sad way to live. And I don't mean any disrespect to the people who are compassionate caregivers or the people who actively have to show up for their family. I think those are such important jobs and those are things that sometimes we just can't even act against or move against because if you're like me, you love your family, you really want to make sure they're taken care of. But I also think at a certain point that we have to choose our journeys and we have to choose what's going to be important to us and what is going to drive us forward. And in 2018, I got a wake-up call from a friend, a so-called friend, who basically dropped me like a hot potato. And I still remember, like even to this day, it's been almost three years, and I still remember how visceral that pain was. It just felt like this really cold tidal wave rising like quickly in my chest and kind of just like washing away all the maps of who I thought I was going to be. This was someone who I had really, like, I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be someone who goes shad belly shopping with me, and like, they're going to be there for all of my big goals and big dreams, and just losing that. And I don't think we talk enough about the heartbreak of friendships, but man, losing that just decimated me. And my heart broke really badly. And I realized something that I should have so long ago. That silencing who we are is the quickest way to make sure we are left feeling isolated and alone in this world. And I'm a deeply ambitious person. I have big goals and big dreams. But I don't think those mean anything if I can't choose to empower myself. Because let's face it, the sport is hard and harder still for BIPOC riders who've never fit the mold to begin with. And after that deep disappointment of being let down by someone who I had loved, I knew I couldn't live silently and still hope to impart change. So I chose to found my voice. And it wasn't an overnight thing. It wasn't like I just woke up the next day and I was like, this is who I am and this is what I stand for. I mean, it was really a day by day thing and it was pretty much ignited by choosing to share my journey on social media. It was writing captions and a lot of those captions were so shallow and like looking back I'm like man what was I thinking writing this but they're even if it's not perfect 
or even if it is shallow, it just feels like an act of courage to actively share your journey, especially in a sport that doesn't value vulnerability. And it was also creating these amazing friendships on social media that like really didn't require me to sacrifice myself. Like I didn't have to explain the whole horse thing. Um, Everyone I've connected with on Instagram just gets it because we're all horse crazy and we all really love this sport and want to see it get better. At least the majority of my community online and off does. And it was also really turning to my family and finally letting them support me in the way that they had always wanted, but I had never allowed. Because I always felt a lot of shame in the fact that I had failed as a young rider. And I always want to be good. I want to be good for my family. I want to be good for my horses. And not feeling good enough for my family was really hard to swallow as a teenager. But eventually I realized that I didn't have to prove anything to them, that who I was as I am had always been enough. And in doing that, they were finally able to really support me and my career with horses. And that's become one of like the bedrock foundations of everything that I do. And I'm really thankful that I took the time to nurture that relationship. And it was also really showing up in ways I didn't expect. It was putting up boundaries with people who I knew were harmful not only to me, but to our sport. And I think we all know that sometimes this sport requires us to maintain connections that don't sit right with us ethically or morally or just for whatever reason. And a big shift in me was when I chose to effectively shut down those connections. And it wasn't in a bad way or burning a bridge, but it was just saying, this bridge is there, but it's not one I'm going to cross, and it's not one that I'm going to send others to cross, because I know what's on the other side, and none of it's good, and none of it's helpful. And it was also finally deciding what I wanted for myself in this life, and the legacy I hoped to live, I hoped would live past me. And I know that sounds so crazy because legacies are for like celebrities and scientists and Nobel Prize winners and politicians and artists and all of these gilded people that we see shaping the world around us. But that's really not true. Legacies are what we leave behind and they're for all of us. They're for the people who are living and doing their best despite the circumstances around them, for the people who choose to live freely and openly for the people who are doing the work on the ground to make sure that we all have a better chance at living in this world. And legacies aren't just for special people or chosen ones. Legacies are for you and for me. And finding your voice is a huge part of that. I mean, you're going to leave some kind of ripple effect whenever you depart this earth. And I hope it's something you think about. What are you leaving behind? And who are you making space for? Finding my voice, choosing it, 
has really allowed me to confidently say that the fear, shame, and violence that our sport seems to think are pillars of strength end with me, that they'll never move forward, and that they'll never hurt anyone like they did me, at least not the people and the writers that I come into contact with. That's really important to me, that it's a hard stop with me, and it never moves forward, because I can't control what the rest of the world does, but I can control what I do and the things that I push forward and the things that I choose to value. And those are things that I do not choose, not now and never again. And I want to be super clear here. I'm not someone who's so special or was like anointed with a grand destiny. I get up every day, I put my feet on the ground and I'm always hoping for the best. That the only thing that has really kept me going is the sense of sheer determination that exists and it's like this ever-burning flame inside the well of my heart. But I still get scared and I falter all the time. And I still, and I don't know if it's necessarily the best to admit this, but I still have so much doubt every single day. But I'm also persistently hopeful that none of what happened to me will ever silence me again. That even on the hard days, I'll choose myself and the woman that I'm proud to have become. I won't preach to you or tell you that finding and empowering your voice is something that you should do because it's a personal choice and it's one that you alone can make. I just hope you know that that ability to do so is within you. It's ready and waiting if you do choose that path. I'm still learning how to use my voice. I'm still actively checking in my checking in on myself to make sure that I'm making decisions that don't devalue my time or my worth because it's a really slippery slope and it's so easy to backslide down it. Like it just takes one person and me not maintaining boundaries <laughs> to kind of slip back into this cycle of me putting others ahead of myself. And that's tough because I'm an empathetic person and I really care about others, but I noticed that the relationships in my life got a lot healthier and stronger once I was able to figure out how to say, this is what I need to get done. And once I get it done, I can help you. And right now I am really trying to learn how to shift how I talk about myself, the verbiage I use, um, and like really watching that the negative words and just tone are shifted into something that's with kinder intent. But it's hard <laughs> because for a long time what I knew of horses was really steeped in a lot of pain and then it was pure survival. But now it's shifting to where I think it needs to be. Enjoy, hope, contentment. Because this sport is hard. And I have to say, as hard as it can be, it's still such a privilege. I mean, we get to be around horses. How freaking cool is that? I mean, if past... If the person I was in the past could see me now, I think she would be floored. And that's something I think about often because it's so easy 
to get caught up in this like wheel of like perpetually moving forward and being competitive enough but there's also just so much happiness in where I'm at now and that's what I'm trying to hold on to and there are also like a lot of good things on the horizon this year um I have a job that I really love and that's not something I've been able to say at all for a really long time so I'm super thankful for that I'm also starting Basilio under saddle later this year and I'm so so excited for that it has been just the best to raise him and to see it all coming together I just finally feel so confident in the fact that we chose him as a family and that we chose this journey as well and there's nothing I would change about it. And I also have this community that's filled with so many amazing people, both online and off, and a lot of my online friends have become my friends offline, which is amazing and that's not something... I would have ever had thought I would have had and I'm really lucky and really privileged to live a life where there is so much possibility ahead of me. I know that not everyone is in the same position and I'm really thankful that moving forward there is so much possibility and so much flexibility and so many opportunities to grow and be better. And I think that's just pretty darn amazing. So I'm going to do, I guess, like moving forward. I'm going to do my best to let go of the past and stop holding it up like this shield, which is what I tend to do. It's just like what I always revert to is this painful thing happened to me in the past. It's my shield. You know, try to get around it. Um, And that's because I think at some point when we're picking ourselves... We also need to acknowledge, of course, like, I'm trying to think of how to word this, but I think when we're picking ourselves, we of course need to acknowledge the trauma and the heartbreak, right? We need to know that it's there. But I also know there's an immense amount of hope out there and that it lives deep within us and allows us to get up every day and begin exactly as we're meant to go on. And that's something I'm really trying my best to push into because I can't change the pain of the past, but I can hold on to the hope that I have for the future and keep using it to build the path that I want to see, not only for myself, but for anyone who's coming up behind me. All right, so I feel like I just dumped a bunch of information out here about myself and why picking my own voice was super hard and this voice is or this voice this episode is a little more loosely structured I've been trying to write but also just kind of make sure I'm speaking to all of you directly instead of super scripted like I was at the beginning of this season it's still really uncomfortable but in time I'm sure I'll get used to it so want to thank you all for listening and we're going to wrap up this episode as we always do which is with a quote and today's quote comes from Sonali Dev and she is one of my favorite authors 
I am in love with all of her work, especially how it portrays the vastness of what it means to be South Asian, um, not only within the context of living in the States, but also within the context of living in India or, you know, in Pakistan or anywhere else in Asia, which I'm just kind of obsessed with. Also, her work technically falls under romance, but I would highly suggest you check it out. It is amazing. Um, currently, she is writing this whole series that's like vaguely based off of Jane Austen's work, and it is just so, 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 so good, and I cannot recommend her enough. So the quote I'm sharing with you today goes, When I was too young to know better, I dreamed of a white knight, someone who'd rescue me, protect me, keep me from harm. By the time I found him, all I wanted was for him to know I didn't need protecting. Thanks again for tuning in for this episode of the Every Writer Has a Story podcast. And if you want to keep up with future episodes, make sure you hit the subscribe button. And I'll see you all in the next one.